Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Seven Run. How are you guys? My name is Amber. I am your Connect Group leader here at Seven Run. How's it going? So, I believe life is better connected. Okay, wait, wait, one more time. I believe life is better connected. Uh huh. Okay. So, you guys probably hear us do that like every Sunday, right? And you're like, what in the world are they cheering for? Uh, Well, we believe uh, that life is truly better connected. We've experienced life and community, and we know the value of having people just to do life with uh, the day-to-day, everyday uh, craziness of life together, right? So in our D.C. metro area, fast pace is something we know well, right? Yeah, we know fast pace really well. And it's easy, and especially for me, it's easy to go, every day without cluttering my schedule with another social engagement. But connect groups are not just another thing on your religious checklist that you got to do. Connect groups are where we experience authentic community. From Jesus's 12 disciples to the first community in Acts, we are flooded with the value of doing life in kingdom community together. So our connect groups, uh, they meet weekly. They meet in their homes. They meet at the playground. They meet sometimes here. Uh, They meet at coffee shops. That's where my group meets. Um, And we're committed to authenticity, transparency, and empathy, right? So in John 10, Jesus says, I've come to give you life and give it abundantly. Connect groups, I believe, are where we experience life in abundance. So uh, through the summertime, you guys are super busy experiencing the abundance of life on vacation or with friends and family. So we decided to shake things up from the norm, okay? So... This summer, we are going to be doing life around tables. This over here is a table, okay? They got got pizza. Um, So so this is a table over here, right? Five to to eight people eating a meal together once a week through the summertime. That's it, okay? So I have a uh, quiz for you guys. Show of hands, how many of you eat a meal at least once a day? Okay, I really, like, see some hands that aren't raised. So, so let's try again. How many of you eat a meal at least once a day? Everybody's hand. Okay, hands down. How many of you sit at a table to eat a meal? Okay. That was more than 9.30. Um, how many of you sit at a table with other people to eat your meal? Okay, that's good. Okay, now let's be real. How many of you sit in front of the TV to eat your meal? Uh-huh. Some of you guys are like, uh, is anybody looking? Um, right, so tables is our opportunity and your opportunity to shake things up from the norm in your personal life. Instead of going home, I'm guilty, so I'm not blaming you guys, going home and just unwinding by yourself in front of the TV, 
Tables is an opportunity for you to uh, connect with the people around you. It allows you to make relationship the centerpiece of your meal once a week, okay? So <clears throat> in my family, this is actually my family up here. Uh, my family, we have, we used to sit, we always sit down at the table to eat together. And we have had some of the funniest, most ridiculous conversations around our table. If you know my grandma, you can probably imagine some of the conversations that we've had. Um, but we've also experienced some of our hardest, most difficult conversations around that same table. Sitting down at a table with the people around you allows you to connect with them in a way that you miss when you're from one activity to another activity or you're trying to deal with the kids or you're sitting down and you're trying to do work and eat at the same time. And it also allows you an opportunity to connect with people that sometimes we overlook when we're doing a typical Bible study or even in our regular connect groups. So Acts 2, 42 through 47 says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all people. And my favorite part, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Our vision is that through the simple act of sharing a meal together once a week through the summer, we would be like this first community of believers. Now, like I said before, we're always on the move, right? Like, life is crazy um, between exhausting work days or dealing with the kids. I know for me, it's hard to even get a whole meal in, let alone sit down at a table to eat. But what if in the whirlwind of life, we're missing the point? What if we took one hour out of the week just to step out of the whirlwind and to connect with the people around you? My proposal is that through the act of eating a meal together once a week through the summer, that you will be able to get to know and to connect with the people around you. So question is, who are you going to eat with, right? That's the awesome thing about tables. I'm trying to talk. I just want to eat. Well, you can eat at a table, Nate. So, <laughs> so, so uh, look, you got me off track now, okay? So who are you going to eat with? You can eat with Nate. He is looking for a table. Um, <clears throat> so you can eat with Nate, or you can um, invite other seven runners out to go with you, or maybe you want to have your neighbors over, or uh, maybe you want to do, do a meal with the homeless, or you have a friend that is like super, I'm not coming to church, not walking in that building, but they'll come over to your house for dinner, right? And we want to make our tables a space that people can come and feel free to come as they are because we've all experienced rejection, right? We have felt 
rejection and we will go out of our way to avoid situations that will even open us up to the possibility of experiencing being rejected. So I've heard from some of you guys who said, well, I don't want to go to a connect group or I haven't been to a connect group because I don't know if I'm going to be accepted there. I don't know if they're going to like me or if I'll fit in there or if it's going to be awkward to go hang out with these people that I don't know. But connect, but the table is a place of joy and kingdom relationship and kingdom community. So you could come just the way you are and you will be accepted at a table and it won't be about your background or your social awkwardness. It'll be fine. So go. Okay. And Hosting a table is also the same. If you're hosting a table, you don't have to be Martha Stewart or Pinterest perfect, okay? You don't even have to have all the dishes out of the sink. You know, I know a lot of you guys are like, okay, I'm going to host a table because the dishes are always in my sink. Um, But it's that easy. So to host a table, you want to know, okay, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to host a table? Starting a table is really easy. All you do is text this number, text this number, okay? Text this number, I'll send you a link uh, on how to get your table started. What you'll do, I'll text you, uh, you'll text this number and I'll text you a link and you will download an app called GroupMe. And GroupMe uh, is, social media app that allows you to communicate easily uh, with other people. So you have a group message um, and it and all you have to do is say like, hey guys, we're meeting here this week um, and it's super easy. So I'll walk you through all of that when you text that number and say, hey, I want to join, I want to start a table. Okay. So you're like, not quite ready to host a table, but I would, like Nate, uh, really love to go and eat with people. So what you do is you will get, uh, you can go to sevenrun.com slash tables, or you can come out to Atrium. We'll have somebody who will walk you through it, and you'll get a link. You'll see a link, and it'll take you to something that looks like, you can go back for a second, John. Um, it'll take you to a link that looks like the group me one. Yeah, there it goes. It'll take you to a link that looks like this. And all I have to say is join the group. That's it. Then there you go. You're in a table. Okay? So our goal is to have 100 tables meeting once a week through the summer. Okay? We're going to kick off next week with food trucks. I don't know if you guys heard about that, but we're having this truck called Truck of Deliciousness. I don't even know exactly what food they have, but it's supposed to be delicious, so we'll see. Um, So we're going to have food trucks here on campus next week, June 25th, from 11 to 2.30. And then uh, we will finish out the summer on September 3rd with a Severn Run table here again, okay? So last weekend, we went paddleboarding for my sister's birthday, and the instructor said, Uh, once you fall in for the first time, it won't be so scary. It won't be scared anymore. So we're going to practice jumping in because I know a lot of you guys are like, I don't know about that whole like sitting down with people. I don't know. So we're going to jump in in a second. We're going to get in groups of four to five people, and we're going to share what was the purest form of acceptance that you've ever experienced. Now, because I don't want to, like, push you guys in without me jumping in first. I'm going to tell you guys my story. 
my freshman year of college, we went on a mission trip to Rodeo, Bolivia. And we went with a group of 10 to 15 people. And I didn't really fit in with my team that well. And I ended up getting sick at the beginning of the trip. And so the trip started off pretty miserable. And we ended up in this tiny rural village in Bolivia. And this older man, kind of like, you know, buff and cowboy looking Bolivian man, he had a cowboy hat that he always wore, took me under his wing. He showed me around, he introduced me to people, he like took me back in the kitchen and showed me what they were cooking us for dinner and he even talked slow for me so that I could understand what the people around me were saying. And it completely changed the course of that week for me. Um, I remember feeling like accepted and a part of the community that I had only been there for a couple days. And so that was my purest form of acceptance. So now it's your turn, okay? We're going to jump in. So look around you. Get with groups of four to five people, and you guys share what was the purest form of acceptance you've experienced. All right, thank you guys for, uh, for connecting, for sharing, and I want you to hold what you felt. Uh, I don't dance. Marsha does. She, she grew up, um, you know, in, in all kinds of, uh, you know, dance schools and other things. I don't dance. When I was young, my, my brother made fun of my attempts, and that was it. I'm in Tanzania in the Imbe region. I've spent an amazing week with some brothers and sisters in Christ uh, in a very, very rural area. I mean, like we are out there and, um, and there's not a, a lot of what we would, you know, consider conveniences. End of the week, I'm with these amazing believers and, and they are celebrating the week with a dance. <laughs> and I'm sitting off on my own in the back and just loving, I mean, this just, just was this amazing dance where the, they're in a circle, I call it the Safa Stomp, you know, uh, and, and moving in a circle and then all the men shoulder to shoulder and then stepping forward and, and um, amazing percussion on the most worn out, you know, items you wouldn't even called drums or anything else and it was just this amazing experience of the kingdom of heaven but I'm sitting back watching and then they turn <laughs> and my brothers first of all turned like this and said like this and I gave them the old wave off you know you know I'm, I'm good over here I'm, I'm really good and uh, they looked at each other and two of the larger men walked over towards me. And I kid you not, I, this is a true story. They walked over, one put their hand under one shoulder, on the other, picked me up off the ground <laughs> and, and brought me into this, this circle of, of smiling, joyful, uh, Christ-honoring faces, and I danced. And it was amazing. I'll, enter, I'll show you the dance when we get to heaven. Um, 
and it was just such a, a pure form of, of, of grace and of acceptance. And if you understand that, then you understand why Jesus. It's not religion. It's not denominations. It's not institutions. It's not control. It's not appearances. It's, it's relationship. It's acceptance. It's joy. Because there is no greater joy in life than authentic relationship. Jesus was um, amazing and more real than we know, less stained glass and, and less these and nows, and, and he was the heart of God on earth, a surprising God um, and a surprising revelation Jesus was and is. And, and when Jesus um, uh, came and shared the heart of God, we responded to the offer of acceptance with rejection in the most brutal way. We beat Jesus, we mocked him, we humiliated him, and we crucified him. And I want you to imagine what was Jesus thinking as he went through this, this pain? What was he thinking as he went through all this suffering? Because we can imagine it and we can know. The Bible tells us why. It was joy. The joy of relationship. The joy of family. The joy of, of being a part of the, the dance, of being included, of being accepted and welcomed and not judged. That was what drove God to send Jesus, Jesus to be love, and love to win. Hebrews 12, uh, 1 through 3 tells us, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we are not alone. We may feel lonely. In fact, they, they tell us that we are in the, the most, um, the, the loneliest um, part of the world, in, in, in the most lonely era they've ever been able to measure. More people depressed, more addicted, uh, more empty. There is a, a, a massive relational poverty going on in our world. And, and the scripture says we are not alone, but we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. A community of people who have accepted love before us, who are actively uh, a part of our own story. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. In other words, uh, let's prioritize our relationship with Jesus and love Him more than we love anything or anyone. Understanding we can't fill our lives with broken and be whole. We can't fill our lives with empty. Uh, it'll never work. One empty woman can never fill her life with an empty man. And one empty man uh, can never fill his life with an endless amount of, of broken sexuality. It just doesn't work. So, so the scripture says, you know, throw that stuff away. And, and let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. The, the reality is that in our lives... Satan begins to win the moment you and I have our eyes on somebody who hurt us. Somebody in relationship who, who betrayed us. Somebody in relationship who wasn't accepting of us. 
I had a friend, or, or a new friend, a potential friend, a could have been friend. His name was George, and I was at seminary. It was a lonely time. Um, everybody thinks, you know, you go off to, to seminary, and it's just this, you know, yellow brick road. It's, it's typically hard, and a lot of people drop out. It's, uh, you know, financially hard, and, and other, you know, people are commuting and holding two jobs, and there's just a lot of stress and, and a lot of loneliness. And God provided a friend named George. George confided with me, uh, became vulnerable and transparent, and shared with me about some brokenness in his life and an affair that he had had at work before. And it wasn't but a couple weeks later that we were in conversation and, and I, I hurt my friend deeply. I made some, some offhand remark that was really judging. Um, and instead of offering him acceptance, I offered him judgment and, and in a self-righteous way that wasn't my, my conscious attempt but it, everything we say comes from somewhere, so my heart was, was clearly um, not with God in that moment. And I spoke one careless uh, sentence to George and wounded him deeply and lost the friendship. God loves relationships. We've all been wounded by somebody who's hurt us, taken our trust and twisted it or, or betrayed a confidence or, or hurt us in some way and it is so easy to get our eyes on people and make people the issue. But when you make somebody the issue in your life, you're done. We have to fix our eyes on Jesus and, and, and lift our eyes up to Him and say, Hey, Jesus, what are you wanting me to do? What's the movement of your Spirit in my life? Jesus, what's, the, what's the, the truth here beyond how I feel in this moment? Jesus, what's the draw of my life? Because if you keep your eyes on the wounding people have done, you will live a crippled, broken life. If you lift your eyes on Jesus... You'll experience relationship and won't live in relational poverty. Scripture describes Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the, the one who wrote your story into being in, in the beginning and will write it if you let him have control of it. If you'll hand the pen to him, if you'll give him the keyboard, he will write an amazing story. If you insist on in being in control, you will write a very sad story. And he's not only the author of our faith, he is the perfecter. He's the one who will bring it all together in ways that will be an amazing win in the end that you didn't even see coming. Talk about a surprise ending. It's going to be awesome. And then it switches to describe this for Jesus. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. As Jesus was being beaten by the Praetorian Guard, every blow uh, raining upon his face and his body, what, what drove Jesus through that was joy. The joy of relationship with you. The joy of bringing all of us home with Father. The joy of, of, of letting um, heaven win and hell lose. The joy of our lives lifted out of empty. When his back was laid open, how did he endure that? It's counterintuitive. It's crazy amazing. But it was joy 
that gave him the strength to endure every blow. And when the nails um, were driven through his flesh, Jesus endured it, although with a word he could, have, he could have destroyed everyone around him. Called a legion of angels. One angel killed 144,000 in the Old Testament. And, and, and he could have called, uh, you know, he could have called 144,000. Jesus endured that for joy, the thought of you in relationship with Him. We don't do religion, we do relationship. And in John 15, Jesus said something absolutely amazing. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. It's all about love. It's all about relationship. It it is not about head knowledge. It is not about institutions and denominations. It's not about control and appearances. It's about a heart that accepts the acceptance of of Jesus and, and gives acceptance to other people in this world. And if it's not that, then it's not real. Because you see, the reality is, is that there's going to be, there's going to be a movement in, in our life. And, and the movement is going to be, it's going to be one of two directions. It's going to be a movement of kingdom, or it's going to be a movement of broken. And, and one of these two directions is going to be the story of our life. We are going to grow um, all the time in one of these two directions. Either in the movement of the kingdom of God or in the direction of our own broken. And our own broken is going to take us into to, to separation. Separation from God. Separation from ourselves. Do, do you understand how crazy making it is to live apart from, from the Creator. You, you, you're separated from, from even yourself. You're divided against yourself. You, 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 have, you have soul cancer. And so we will grow in our sadness. We're going to grow in our alienation. We're going to grow um, in our dissatisfaction if we stay in ourselves. But if we accept our acceptance... If, if we just reach out and, and let Jesus pick us up and carry us into the dance and join in to the dance and the song of God, everything changes and the kingdom of God comes. You see, Jesus came to bring a kingdom. He didn't come to establish a denomination. He didn't even come to create a religion. I really don't even like the term Christianity too much. It's not a term Jesus ever used. Just saying. What Jesus came to do was to bring the kingdom of God. It's what he prayed for. Father, you know, Jesus, uh, Rabbi teaches how to pray. Our Father in heaven, (laughs) our Father, you're invited to the table. You're invited to the family. You're invited to be a part of of this amazing, you know, love of God, which builds relationship and and cancels sin. and, and, And so he's now our Father. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is heaven. The kingdom of heaven is, is the sphere or the realm where, where the will of God is done. It's not about head knowledge. It's not about, uh, you, know, uh, you know, organizational, you know, um, entities. It's not about appearances. It's about surrender and the yielding of control to the spirit of God. The spirit of God, Jesus described it like the wind. You can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. You can't control it, but the wind is powerful. 
Uh, when I, I, I grew up in Oklahoma, there's, there's not a lot of oceans around Oklahoma, not a ton of water. And so uh, we like to, to try to make life an adventure and learn new things. And so Marsha years ago bought me a, um, uh, some sailing lessons at the Annapolis Sailing School. So I, I'm learning sailing on the bay. And then I go out and I, and I bought a, a $5,000 sailboat and, and learned to sail. And it was scary and crazy and amazing and fun. And the thing about sailing, it's, it's all about the wind. Sailors, like cyclists, are very competitive. They'll wave to each other, but they're actually trying to beat each other, you know. It's a man thing. And, and in sailing, you know, for, for most of the thing, it's not a fast, you know. I mean, but, but I'm just telling you, if you can get another half knot out of the boat by trimming your sail, it's... And what I loved about sailing was... was just closing your eyes and, and getting a sense of the direction of the wind because that's everything. You see, I could have no sail up and the wind could be blowing hard, but I'm not going anywhere because I'm not, I'm not in the movement of the wind. I can have the sail up, but it's in the wrong place. It's luffing or doing some other crazy thing and, and, and it's just noise or inefficiency. But you can almost, you can close your eyes and just turn your head and you can feel the true direction of the wind and, and, and then adjust the sails and you can feel the boat move forward. The kingdom of God has come. And you may not see it very often uh, in a broken world, but it has come and it is a growing kingdom and it's a kingdom that, that is causing um, people who actually believe to, to change and to, to grow and to move. It didn't come to create religious people. It didn't come to educate the head. It came to invite us into the movement of God, the movement of the Spirit through the ages, which would be a movement of, of accepting Jesus' acceptance and offering His acceptance to others. And so from here the rest of your life, God loves new beginnings. And just to say to you who are fathers, this Father's Day, um, you know, it's never too late. If, if you're breathing and your child is still breathing, it's never too late to, to have a father's influence in, in loving and, and being graceful. It's never, ever, ever too late. For the movement of the wind, the, the Holy Spirit, he's, he's, still, he's still in it. Our lives, from this point forward, are, are going to be growing broken. And if we stay in control and, and we stay religious and about appearances, if we do what we want to do, what is natural to us, you know, in, in obvious and not so obvious ways, um, the, the cancer of distance is going to grow to us and then, and then when we die, then we, we live in that distance called hell forever. We don't have to do that. There's a movement of God afoot. There's, there's the Spirit of God uh, alive in the world that, that's calling us out of broken into the movement of the kingdom. And you and I have to decide whether we're going to stay with our lives as they are or whether we're going to adjust our sails and catch the wind and let the power of God carry us along, not in our own strength, but by Him. Jesus said, 
I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his, his master's business is. There's a distance between a, uh, an owner and a worker in the store, and the, the owner of the store doesn't come down to the worker and, and include him in all the important decisions. There's a distance and a separation and an outside and an inside, and Jesus said that's not what, what the kingdom come has done. The kingdom has come and made you family with my Father. The kingdom has come and made you who are, who are not my people, now you are my people. Not only for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. <laughs> and so now he's our father. We are now brothers. And so Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. And this is where things begin to come alive in your relationship. When you fix your eyes on Jesus and, and he is a friend, not in the sense of, you know, like, you know, uh, you know a, a buddy that you, you're in control of, but no, 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 he's, this is the awesome offer of God's love to, to include you and accept you and it's beautiful and it's life-changing and it's joy. Jesus, for the joy set before him, the joy of the thought of knowing you and spending time with you in time and eternity. I mean, how many of you all have ever witnessed a mom do this? They're looking at their little baby or their little toddler, and, and the, the toddler may be doing something, maybe moving his head, you know, um, may have just thrown up. And here's what a mom, isn't that so cute? Look at that. That's just so adorable. I, I think he blinked, you know. No, it's just beautiful. I just, just never done it that way before, you know. It's like, it's just, I love that child. I love it. Do you not think your Heavenly Father is doing that with you every day? He loves you. And what faith is, is, is dropping your barriers and, and dropping your, your distrusting distance and, and accepting His acceptance. I could have stayed back there at the dance and I, I probably could have, even as the guys picked me up, I probably could have been a, um, you know, well, never mind, and, and, and just... You know, said, no, I'm not going to do this. But I would have missed the most joyous experience of my life. And some of us here are, are living our lives that very same way, and it's, it's time to change. It's time to come and, 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 and come to the table. The Scripture tells us uh, that in, in Luke chapter um, 14, um, in, in verse 1, one Sabbath, Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee. <laughs> he was doing life at the table. The table is a place of acceptance. It's a place of friendship. It's a place of inclusion. It's a place of delight. It's a place of, of getting to know people. It's a place where people are moving from, from a distance to, you know, to, uh, to, to closer, to connection, to friendship. And Jesus was always at the table with people. Religious people who didn't get it and broken people who did, he still, he still came to the table and, and offered his acceptance. In verse 15, um, uh, well, right before that, Jesus said, you know, you, uh, you need to, to know that one day you're going to be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And at this messianic phrase, one of those who were at the table with him said to Jesus, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Because you see, the Passover and all this table um, theology also call to mind in, in, in messianic um, you know, thinking that, that one day in heaven there's going to be this gathering of all the righteous at the table of God and there will be joy forevermore. 
There will be, there will be just life and laughter, and, and all this is something that the Messiah will usher in. And so Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field, I can't come. The second said, I just bought a bunch of, of oxen, I got to go try them out. The third said, hey, I just got married and it's just too soon to, to be out having dinner with you. I got I to stay home. The owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. You see, all of these uh, religious people had just offered lame excuses as to why they didn't want to come and do life joyfully at the table with, with God. They wanted to keep their distance. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. There's room at the table. There's room in the Father's house. Listen to the heart of God for relationship. Then the master told the servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes and make them come in. It echoes the language of Jesus, go and make disciples. <laughs> Bring them in. Let them know. Go out of your way. You know, open up your life. Open up your circles. Don't live afraid. Don't live for your own agenda. I'm giving you an agenda. And the agenda is be about relationship. Be about inviting other people to the table. And so, um, go out onto the roads and country lanes. Make them come in so that my house will be full. That's God's desire. That one day in the future, He gets to have the, the wedding feast of the Lamb with every human being ever born who was willing to believe they, they could be loved and were lovable, they could be forgiven and, and, and made right, that they could be forever in joy in His presence. So I want to say today to you that you and I have a choice to make about how we're going to do the rest of our lives. Every day really is a restart right? I mean, in, e in every season of life, it's like, you know, a, a book has chapters. You got to turn the page and start a new one. And if you're not starting again in your life and in your marriage, you're missing it. We have to decide how we're going to start again. It is not enough to be a friendly church. We, we've got to become a church of friends. We live in an area not only of, of relational poverty, uh, of physical poverty, but of vast relational poverty. Most men, honestly, most men do not even have a best friend. And it breaks the father's heart. And so he sent his son Jesus to offer love and friendship and acceptance to all who want it. To those who wish to keep the distance, God will allow but I want you to know that you are accepted. Romans 10, 13 says, but to as many as, uh, you know, everyone who calls on his name, uh, they, they, will be, they will be called the children of God. You can be born again. You can commit your life to the one who committed his life fully to you. And all you have to do is just accept your place at the table. In, in, Revelation chapter 19, the scripture says, uh, I heard what sounded like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder shouting in verse 6, hallelujah, 
for the Lord our God Almighty reigns. Verse 7, let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself perfectly ready. Fine linen, bright and clean was given her to wear. The linen stands for the righteous uh, acts of the saints. Listen to verse 9. Then the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are, in, are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he said, Write these down. These are the true words of God. So Jesus came not to create a religion, but to launch a kingdom. And he launched that kingdom around the table, which symbolized acceptance. And at his last, before he was crucified, he gathered with the disciples around the table and celebrated the Passover. Even with one who would betray him, he still broke bread and offered acceptance. And he did all of this in light of a table to come, the wedding feast of the Lamb, which is referred to in Revelation 19. The time when everybody who's accepted God's love and grace is gathered around the table one more time, this time in joy, this time forever, this time where all of life is healed, the kingdom has fully come, and the joy of God's love and grace and acceptance has wrapped itself around us forever and ever. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, which we're going to do in just a moment, we normally do, do so in kind of a somber way, recognizing that night at the table, the sorrow of it and the, the cost of it. But, but I want you to know that Jesus went through that night at the table for the sake of the joy of another night to come at the table. And that table is still on its way. Jesus is coming again, and, and, and He's going to gather all of those who are willing to, to be loved, and, and we are going to be with Him in heaven forever, and it is going to be awesome. And so today, when we celebrate, we are going to celebrate with joy, anticipating, remembering not only the table that was, but the table that is to be, the table that is to come. And so today, I just want to say that as you think about your life, you can live the rest of your life outside the movement of the kingdom of God, or you can seek the kingdom first. You can live your life uh, wounded and self-centered or you can fix your eyes on Jesus and let Him lift you and write a great story. You can live the rest of your life alone or you can live rich in relationship and letting your life be open and inclusive and inviting other people in. Make new friendships. Make new relationships. Go out into the highways and byways and, and, and make them come in to the love of the Father. But to celebrate this, you've got to do two things. Number one, you have to commit your life to Christ fully because Christ completed his, committed His life fully to you. You have to be born again as a believer in Jesus Christ. And if you've never committed your life to Christ, you can do that right now simply by, by just praying and giving your life to Jesus. Open the door of your heart and say, Jesus, come in. Second thing you've got to do is you've got to be serious about love and 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 not keep a distance. If there is conscious sin in your life, um, if you're having an affair but you're going to take the cup, you're drinking judgment on yourself. Um, if there's sin in your life that you're going you're to say, well, I'm really going to keep that sin. I'm going to love it more than I love Jesus. You're drinking judgment on yourself when you do that. And instead, what, what we need to do is return to our first love and recognize the emptiness of all the, the insanity of sin and is broken and repent and turn back again to our true love in Jesus. If you enjoyed today's message, 
feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big. Thank you.